0: And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
1: Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries. And we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the parable of the ten virgins. This is part five of the series. Matthew chapter 25 verse 7, it says, Then all the virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. We are told in Matthew chapter 25 verse 8 that the foolish said to the wise, Give us your oil because our lamps are gone out. And in the Torah, in Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, there's a commandment that the lampstand was to burn always. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. And so the foolish virgins allowed their lamps to go out. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it is written, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And so the foolish virgins, they did not arise and return to the Torah. And they lost their zeal for Yeshua and following after him. And then in Matthew chapter 25 verse nine, the wise virgins responded by saying, not so, lest there not be enough for us and also for you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So why is the wise virgins concerned that there might not be enough oil for them and the foolish virgins? It's because these things are taking place at midnight when darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. So they need their light in order to shine through the time of darkness to be prepared for the bridegroom's return. It's the wise virgins who are ready for the marriage. And while they went to buy, that is the foolish virgins, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. In the book Made in Heaven by Rabbi Ari Kaplan on page 206, he explains that immediately after the guests finished congratulating the bride and the groom for the the exchanging of their vows underneath the hoopah. the couple exit toward the seclusion room. And the bride and groom are led to the seclusion room amid singing and dancing. And after the wedding ceremony is over, it is customary for the bride and the groom to be alone in the seclusion room for a short period of time. Now, there are two primary stages in a biblical wedding. And this is explained in the book Made in Heaven* by Rabbi Ari e. Kaplan on page 166. He explains the wedding ceremony consists of two main parts. The first part is a rusin or kedushin also called betrothal and the second part is nisuin, or when bride and groom physically they then consummate the marriage and they live together as husband and wife. And so betrothal is marriage. It's legally binding marriage but during the betrothal process you do not physically dwell with your spouse you do not consummate the marriage and because betrothal is legally binding even though the marriage has not been consummated that the legally binding aspect of the marriage in order to get out of the relationship it requires that there be a divorce and so betrothal you're legally married but you do not physically dwell with and spiritually this is going to be likened to what christians refer to as salvation whenever you accept yeshua as savior and lord of your life then you are in a legal relationship with him that in the bible is likened unto a marriage but yeshua is not physically dwelling with you at this moment in time the second The second part of the marriage is when Yeshua is going to return and physically dwell with his bride. He's going to do so first when he sets up his kingdom, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, teaching the Torah to all nations, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3. Then he's going to continue to physically dwell with his bride for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth and specifically in the new Jerusalem. And so we can see how betrothal is legal. Legally binding, and in order to get out of betrothal, it requires a divorce, even though the marriage has not yet been consummated. And we can see this from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, regarding the status of Yeshua's parents Mary and Joseph at the time that Yeshua was born. It is written now the birth of Yeshua the Messiah was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused or betrothed to Joseph before they came together before they consummated the marriage she was found of child of the Holy Spirit and so now Joseph initially believes that Mary was unfaithful to him during the betrothal, even though they had not consummated the marriage, and so it was in his thoughts to get a divorce from Mary. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Put her away means to get a divorce. But the angel of the Lord then came into the situation and explained to Joseph what was going on. And. And as a result, Joseph did not get a divorce from Miriam because Miriam was not unfaithful. The child that was in her came from a virgin birth because the child was in her womb through the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, this is the way that we have the spiritual status of being betrothed to Yeshua. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so So that salvation that we have through the redemptive work of Yeshua, when he died on the tree and shed his blood, comes when we repent of our sins and ask him to come into our heart and our lives, make him Savior and Lord of our lives, and that redemption, that salvation, and us then being betrothed to Yeshua in a marriage relationship comes through the shedding of his blood on the tree, as we can see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So now once we are a part of Yeshua's family, once we're betrothed to him, once we're in the marriage relationship, because we've repented of our sins and we have received his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we are to remain loyal and faithful until he returns for us at his second coming, where it's then that we enter into the second stage of the marriage. And in us being faithful to him, Yeshua said, now, if you love me, keep my commandments. When Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments, he was making a reference to the very first place in the Bible where we see the phrase, love me and keep my commandments. So it's found in Exodus in chapter 20, verse six. And here it's, Describing what's happening at Mount Sinai, and it says, and showing mercy unto undefe- thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So the word love me and keep my commandments was first said at Mount Sinai regarding the way in which the children of Israel was to respond to the act of mercy, compassion, loving kindness, and redeeming his people out of Egypt. And when they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the means by which their deliverance came out of Egypt that foreshadowed Yeshua being the Lamb of God Him dying on the tree shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins and just as the response of the children of Israel to that redemption out of Egypt was to come to Mount Sinai receive daily instruction about how they were to live their lives through the Torah and then they were to show that love to the one that redeemed them out of Egypt by keeping His commandments so Even so, Yeshua said to those who he has saved through his shed blood, that they are to express their love to him by loving him, keeping his commandments, which means following his Torah. And Yeshua said that he would abide and dwell with those who keep his commandments. John chapter 14, verse 21. He that has my commandments, that follows his Torah and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. If you love me, keep my commandments, you keep my commandments, I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. John chapter 14, verse 23, Yeshua answered and said, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, or my commandments. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. In Jeremiah chapter 31, we can see that the end of the exile is likened to a wedding and the joy of a wedding. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 10 and 11 verse 13. Hear the word of the Lord O you nations and declare it in the isles afar off and say he that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. So Yeshua said in John chapter 10 verse 11 and verse 14 that he is the good shepherd and the good shepherd is going to gather the exiles of Israel and the one that gathers is also the one that scattered so it was Yeshua who scattered the exiles of Israel and why did Israel get scattered in the nations because they broke the covenant at Mount Sinai and so the one who entered into covenant with them at, at Mount Sinai because they broke the covenant they were scattered and he that scattered is the one that gathers so from this we can see that Yeshua is not only the good shepherd but he's the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, and because his people was unfaithful to him to follow and keep his Torah, they were exiled into the nations. And then it says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 11, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. That's ending the exile of the twelve tribes of Israel. And then Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 13, then will the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together. So, when he that scattered Israel gathered gathers him when he redeems Jacob from the nations where he's been scattered. That is both northern kingdom and southern kingdom. That is likened to marriage and the joy of a marriage. Then will the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 7. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. And so this is likened to a wedding in the joy of a wedding. Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 10 and 11. Thus says the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place, even in the cities of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. That's wedding talk. And so what is associated with wedding talk in the marriage? The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, says the Lord. And so the way that we're to understand how this is going to come about is the principle that the way in which Messiah is going to gather the exiles of Israel and bring them back to the land is patterned after the way the children of Israel were redeemed out of Egypt. Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. And I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor. Now, Achor in Hebrew means trouble or troubling. And so the spiritual meaning is the the valley of trouble, the valley of trouble. And so it's a spiritual reference to Jacob's trouble. So Jacob's trouble, the valley of trouble is going to be the door of hope and she shall sing there. So, when is she singing? Revelation chapter 15 verses 2 and 3. When she gets the victory over the beast and his mark and the image and the number of his name, then there's going to be the singing of the song of Moses and singing of the song of the Lamb. And so, the time of Jacob's trouble and the time of the Great Tribulation is a time of hope because that is when the Messiah is going to end the exile of his people and recover turn them back to the land, and the gathering, uniting of the exiles of Israel, and their return back to the land by the Messiah, that that is likened to a wedding. So she shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Then in Micah chapter 7 verse 15, according to the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt, according to those days, will I in the future show him marvelous things? So let's summarize this part of the parable as we've taken key words and phrases and broke them down and showed you and defined for you the meaning of them. All the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps a rise represents awakening from spiritual slumber which means returning to the torah the foolish virgins let their lamps go out and the torah is likened unto a lamp proverbs In chapter 6, in verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light. So the foolish virgins quit and did not follow the Torah. The lamp represents following the Torah. And in Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, the commandment is to not allow the lampstand to quit burning. The foolish virgins had no oil in their lamps. The wise virgins were ready for the marriage. The uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is likened to a marriage. So therefore, the wise virgins were ready and prepared for the Messiah to return to end their exile and to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel, taking them back to the land. There are two stages to the biblical marriage. And the first is betrothal, where you are legally married to your spouse. But you do not physically dwell with your spouse. And then the second stage of the marriage called Nesuin, when you physically dwell with your spouse and consummate the marriage. During betrothal, you're legally married, but you do not physically dwell with your spouse. And since betrothal is legal marriage, it requires a divorce to get out of the marriage. All who have accepted Yeshua as their savior for the forgiveness of their sins are spiritually betrothed to him. And indeed, spiritually betrothed to Yeshua we're to keep our lamps burning we're to love him, keep his commandments and if we know and understand what the Torah and the prophets say regarding Israel being exiled into the nations of the world, we will know that the Messiah is coming to end the exile of his people. So Yeshua is going to return for a bride to complete the second stage of the marriage where he will physically dwell with his bride first in his kingdom that he sets up and then ultimately for all eternity where the bride would dwell with Yeshua forever in the new Jerusalem. So the foolish virgins missed the marriage. What are they missing? They're missing Messiah's return to gather and unite the exiles of Israel. So the foolish virgins in Matthew chapter 25, verse 11, it says afterward came the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And what was told the foolish virgins is... I do not know you now. If we take this back to Hebrew thought, know is the Hebrew word yada, and it means to know intimately. So Yeshua was rebuking the foolish virgins for not knowing Him intimately. An example where the word yada is used, and it refers to an intimate relationship, is in Genesis, in chapter four, verse one, where it says, "In Adam yada, Adam knew." Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Now in Matthew chapter 7 verse 23, Yeshua gives a rebuke and he says, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, and the King James says, you that work iniquity. And so this word iniquity in the Greek is anomia, and it's the same Greek word that's translated in 1 John 3, 4 as transgressing the Torah. Sin is anomia. Sin is transgressing the Torah. So the rebuke that Yeshua is giving is that this group of people does not know him intimately because while they're doing good works for Yeshua, they are not following and advocating following his Torah. We can see in 1 John chapter 3 verse 4, sin is the transgression of the Torah. This is the Greek word anomia, it's the number 458 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary. So if we translate Matthew in chapter 7 verse 23 the same way that the King James translates anomia in First John 3, 4, then Yeshua's words were, Depart from me, you that don't follow my Torah, you that transgress the Torah. Now in these verses, Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. And so back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he's not rebuking them for these works that they're doing in his name. They're being rebuked for not not knowing him in an intimate way, meaning they are not aware that he gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, and thus they should be following his Torah. So, Yeshua says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so, what is the will of the Heavenly Father? It breaks down into two major things. The first, it's the will of the Father to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. John chapter 6 verse 40 and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which sees the son and believes on him may have everlasting life and then yeshua said in john chapter 6 verse 47 verily verily i say unto you he that believes on me has everlasting life so that's one element of the will of the father is to believe that yeshua is the messiah those that are doing the good works of matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 they believe that yeshua is the messiah but when the disciples ask Yeshua show us how to pray he said in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 after this manner pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so it's the will of the heavenly father that his will be done on earth even as his will is being done in heaven so what is that will in addition to believing that Yeshua is the Messiah Psalm chapter 40 verse 8 I deliver light to do your will. Oh my God, your Torah is within my heart. So it's the will of the Heavenly Father to believe in Yeshua as Messiah and that Yeshua's Torah be written on your heart. Well, that's what the new covenant is. The new covenant, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 and Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 is the Torah written upon our heart. We can see this, Jeremiah 31 verse 33, but this will be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my Torah in their inward parts, and I will write the Torah in their hearts. Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, the parable of the ten virgins. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.